Hello and welcome to the Ask Dr. Ben podcast. I'm your host, Ben Johnson. As a holistic-minded physician, I've spent the last 20 years looking outside the box and conducting research to find the true causes of skin conditions and other diseases. And while the focus of my work has been on aesthetic medicine and unlocking the secrets to reversing skin damage, this podcast will also include many other exciting revelations pertaining to you and your family's health and well-being. So let's get started. Hey, everybody. This is Dr. Ben Johnson for Ask Dr. Ben. I want to thank everyone for making our podcast as successful as it has been out of the gate. This is really fun for me, sharing um, all the things I've learned over decades of looking at medicine and the human body from a holistic perspective. I guess I should say, yeah, just a couple of decades because I it took me a while to figure out to stop paying attention to the distractions. And so... Right on point, let's jump right into a really fascinating subject for me, which is the microbiome, which is also known as your probiotic population, the digestive health of your body, and uh, what's happening to us right now that's causing changes and really an epidemic of what's called SIBO, uh, H. pylori, and IBS. Why would this happen? How can we resolve it? Let's dive in. So first and foremost, let's start with one of the most amazing statistics I came across just within the last decade, actually, which is that our body's made up of 100 trillion cells. And within those 100 trillion cells, 65 trillion of them are foreign bacteria and various types of species. I assume most of them are bacteria that live within our body in a symbiotic relationship. In other words, what they're doing enhances our health, makes our lives possible. And we give so little credit to them. There's so little amount of study being done on them right now. Whenever you see an emphasis done on research, almost always it's because of the financial incentives on the other side of it. And there's just not enough research happening for research's sake alone. So let's talk about some of the challenges that our digestive tract faces, that our entire microbiome, because remember, you have thousands of species on your skin that are living symbiotically. You have species in every organ that are all living symbiotically. And we, we talk a lot about the digestive tract because that one is the most concentrated source of it, but it's also the one where we get immediate feedback in a lot of cases, and that's also a bad thing. But just know if your digestive tract is suffering, the 65 trillion bugs in your body are suffering. So where did this all start? I guess I would say uh, the early phase of the attack on the microbiome started with the expansion of antibiotic use. There's a lot of people who get sick and they have Really, so I believe there's a lot of people that are misdiagnosed with a cold that actually just are detoxing. So there's sort of, it's an emotional purge more than anything else. And, you know, the most savvy of the physicians would know this is a virus and no antibiotic is necessary. Uh, unfortunately, a, a significant minority of physicians would look at this and go, look, it's just easiest for me to write her a prescription of an antibiotic and send him or her on their way. And we've applied a- antibiotic use to as many different possible avenues as we can. We're giving antibiotics to people with rosacea. We're giving antibiotics to people with acne. Neither of those make any logical sense. If you've listened to my podcasts on those conditions, you know this. And we give antibiotics for years sometimes. I come across patients who 
have been on minocycline or some version of antibiotic forever because they were scared, even though it wasn't really working for their acne anymore, they were scared to get off of it because they thought their acne might get worse and their physician did not advise them accordingly. And and I'm just here to tell you right now uh, a couple of things. Number one, yes, there is a role for antibiotics but it should be limited, number one. Number two, antibiotics should be thought of in a lot of cases like chemotherapy because 65 trillion of your cells are bugs. And so if you're taking antibiotics, you're literally poisoning a big swath of that population to some level or another. And the third thing to remember is that these bacteria are, they're part of your body. They're not stupid. They're in touch with divine intelligence, if you will. You can call it innate wisdom of the animal kingdom and the insect kingdom uh, that no one can seem to explain. The intuition, whatever it is, as you've heard me say before, the human body is a miraculous work of art. And the only reason it can operate with the level of precision that it does is because all your cells are tapping into the same information and are operating in unison, in unison, you don't have enemies. Now, I shouldn't say that. You're going to get the occasional pathogen that comes in, right, and tries to distort the system as much as they can. Now, the healthier your microbiome, the less possible that it is for a pathogen to come in and distort your system. But in general, you're full of just a bunch of good bugs. So what does the world call those good bugs? Uh, the, the most common nomenclature is probiotics. They're pro-health, right? And so we need to analyze, first and foremost, how we're going to maintain that system best. And teaser alert, probiotics is not the answer. Antibiotics is not the answer. A lot of people might say, well, in fact, I've seen regimens where they provide antibiotics as part of the way to kill off certain aspects of the microbiome in the hopes that good bugs, well, whatever their definition of good bugs is, regrows. So it's such a wide topic. I think it's best to start with an understanding of how your microbiome develops and what is your microbiome made of compared to mine and everyone else you know. In fact, in a familial sense, everybody has a unique probiotic population. And everyone thinks that the probiotic population develops from age zero to two, basically, and it's determined by the foods we eat and all these different bugs from, I don't know, sitting in the sandbox and eating dirt to drinking formula to whatever foods we might feed them. And all these bugs come through and that's how the system populates. Well, that's, that's ridiculous, first and foremost. And it's simply not true. The way your microbiome develops is DNA driven. This is why it's so specific to you. You know, one of the interesting books I came across in the last decade was Eating Right by Your Blood Type, right? Eating, I think, whatever that's called. You know, I think it speaks to something. I don't think it's as accurate to say blood type, although it's a helpful tool to use, right? Depending on if you're, you know, A, uh, A negative, O, O positive, whatever your blood type is, what they found was there was a tolerance to food, a cravings for specific types of foods that made sense. And the blood type's a nice way 
to kind of peek into your system and go, oh yeah, okay, so if I'm O positive, you know, I like more meats and that makes sense because I, I do enjoy eating meat and, and my system digests it just fine. And then that your sibling or your sister, their body doesn't do as well with meats. And the same could be true with dairy. The same could be true with various fibers, vegetables, fruits, cravings. All of that has to do with your DNA. So every child that is born has a DNA plan for growth of bugs into the system. I do believe it probably develops mostly over that first two-year period, which is why breast milk is always useful because at that time that the body's immune system is underdeveloped and so you're using the advantages of maternal milk for some of those benefits. But a lot of people just think, oh, well, no, the mom provides all of those bugs, you know, from her milk and it's really just a, and, and there's bugs shared in the uterine canal and, and all this stuff just gets slapped on the skin on the way out or somehow is shared with the system. And by that metric, by the way, then every family should have pretty similar microbiomes. And of course that's not true. So we got to once again, use logic. We got to step back and analyze the situation. And what we're going to realize is that our DNA also determines our blood type, which is my point to this whole thing. It's kind of a cute and simple way to analyze your diet versus your blood type. But in reality, what your blood type is describing is your DNA and your DNA choices. And, you know, on a more spiritual level, what I tell you is my philosophy is as we pick those we make those choices at a soul level before we come in, but you don't have to subscribe to that. Um, we can stay very, very materialistic today, if you will. All right, so your DNA decides what you want. It kind of determines, uh, your DNA is also, by the way, determining your body type. And it is true that uh, you can have takeovers. And so one of the examples of a takeover, and this is the cause of infant eczema in the vast majority of cases, is candida. So candida is an opportunistic probiotic. And I put it in the class of probiotics because it does appear to be part of the normal population. It's just a matter of quantities. You know, with all of this, you've got so many thousands, if not millions of different types of bacteria. And the quantity of them is in part determined by your DNA. And it's in part in termed by the environment and the choices that you make in the foods that you eat as you are an adult. And so candida is one of those ones that can begin to start to build its population in utero. And it's usually the result of a mother who has an excess amount of candida in her system. So that sort of yeasty environment I, I reference sometimes actually passes through the entire system of the infant, of course, throughout the process. And then uh, we develop a microbiome. And if you are unfortunate enough to have too much candida exposure as an infant, you may develop uh, infant acne is an example of it. You can develop infant eczema. And sometimes you might even be exposed to an even more nasty pathogen and you might develop other serious diseases. Remember, I come from a philosophy that all disease, I'm going to go with 99% of the diseases are caused by a toxin or pathogen or an emotion. So yeah, it's a challenge, right? And, and I was thinking back about my own health because I've been working and uh, we've recently released a new prebiotic that I believe restores the probiotic population over a three-month period. And so I started thinking back, wow, because I was analyzing my own 
you know, what, what's changing in my body, what positives are occurring from this experience. And I started thinking back, well, how far back can I, do I have to go to figure out uh, when was the last time I had a healthy microbiome? And I realized that it may never have been. I may have never had a 100% healthy microbiome in my entire existence because like all of us as a child, as a baby, you know, my mom who breastfed me for a while, but she, you know, she wasn't perfect in her diet. We didn't know very much about, you know, at that time, 53 years ago, we weren't as quite as adept at knowing what to avoid. And I just know that from a young age, my DNA had a, a plan, but it was slightly altered. And then it only got worse as I got older, as, as they succumbed to my request for a cookie uh, or <laughs> whatever it was. You know, my famous story as a child was at two years old, I asked my mom for a cookie. She said no. And so I took off on my trike a couple of blocks down to the local store and asked them for a cookie and they obliged. So, you know, I always found my way to get sugar even at a young age. And anyway, I digress. So yes, a healthy microbiome, uh, many of us may have never experienced it in our entire lifetimes. And what a tragedy that is when we start to see the growing evidence of the research that supports the vast majority of how your body functions properly relies on the 65 trillion bacteria that reside within it. That shouldn't surprise you. If two-thirds of your body are relying on a bacterial system, a uh, well, the microbiome is really the perfect word for it, it shouldn't surprise you that they've linked it to diabetes, obesity, cholesterol, high blood pressure, cognitive decline, cardiovascular disease, there's a massive, massive and growing list of the link between your microbiome and your health. And so it also baffles me a bit when I look at it. And I know there's many of you listening around the world because I'm getting your emails and thank you very much. But America is getting the brunt of the attack. And you want to know why America's obese? As a nation, you know, a lot of people around the world think of America as, and, as the obese country. It's not because of gluttonism. It's because of toxicity. We have the highest percentage of pesticide use in the world. We have the highest percentage of food preservative use in the world. We have a horrible system where we've eliminated regional farming so that goods have to be shipped uh, distances in order to be served, which means they need to be preserved. And spoiler alert, organic food has pesticide in it as well. So it's almost impossible to avoid the pesticide exposure. Earlier, you heard me talking about antibiotics. Well, it's not just that our medical system is broken and we overprescribe antibiotics at a ridiculous rate, but these antibiotics continue on into the water supply and they get added to our tap water um, indirectly, you know, through overflow and all the challenges apparently we have in, in, in keeping and creating healthy water. But then they add more. They're like, oh, well, the water's a little bit buggy, so let's throw in a bunch of bleach. And the bleach amounts you've heard me talk about are excessive and horrific. And that wasn't enough. We also bleach our chicken. We bleach our sugar. We bleach our flour. We bleach our salt. It's ridiculous. Bleach. Bleach is one of the nastiest poisons on the planet. Can you imagine what bleach does to your microbiome? Well, that's one of the most favorite things that we have out there to add to the water. But, you know, fluoride is an antibacterial. And 
It's awful. Arsenic is added in some cases in microdoses or whatever, you know, the claims they they made. Because, you know, it's really important that we just keep that bug population down. And, you know, I don't disagree that if we've got a bunch of E. coli or opportunistic pathogens that are coming our way, we do want to take those out. But not by taking chemotherapy every day. And that's what I'm telling you is happening. If you're drinking tap water, you're poisoning your microbiome on a daily basis. Now, if you're unfortunate to be some of the more impoverished people in our country and around the world, you don't just get crappy water. Your food choices are crappy. The most affordable food you can get is to go down to the local McDonald's and grab a 99-cent burger, which is loaded with food preservatives that poison your microbiome. So that's the next phase of poisoning that's happening is the food preservative population. What are preservatives? Food preservatives are things that are designed to prevent bacterial health, right? They kill bacteria. And again, that's what you're made of. So not the best thing to be taking food preservatives into your system. And then finally, was that finally? I'll make sure I'm remembering all the different ways that we're being poisoned. But the final phase of the conversation leads to GMO foods, genetically modified foods. Once again, you have a bacterial population based on your DNA for uh, your environment. One of the most amazing things about the human body is how it adapts to the environmental changes century after century, generation after generation. And right now you have a microbiome that's tougher than it's ever been resilient and resistant as it can possibly be because your body wants to be as healthy as it can. You have to forgive me. I actually get a little bit emotional about it because it's, it's an insidious problem and the system's broken and we're being poisoned. And so America's obese because they're toxic. America's obese because their microbiome has been distorted Americans can't eat dairy anymore. We can't eat gluten anymore. Food allergies, food sensitivities are through the roof. This is all microbiome stuff. It's a simple answer. We can go back to the basics here, people. We can go back and we can look at what it takes to live a, a joyful, healthy life. People forget what it feels like to wake up in the morning and not feel sick. It's a lost art. It's unfair. At the very least, if we're not going to get the basic needs of healthcare, which is in America is one of the only countries in the world that doesn't offer that basic need, then at the very least, give us the opportunity that if we just eat food every day, that our food choices don't poison us to death. And unfortunately, that's what's happening here. So part of what I'm talking about today is some of the diseases that develop as a result of this. And I have my own unique theory as to what's happening. But if you can imagine with GMO foods, what happens with the bacteria is their DNA is designed to manage the foods that it knows in the environment. It came from your mom and what the foods your mom ate. And so that information is passed on. I don't know if you're aware of, you know, I talk about tapping into the divine knowledge. I don't even have to use the word divine, but you pick your term to, to the whatever you think ants tap into to move synchronously, whatever you think flocks of birds are tapping into to fly in perfect precision and make turns together in unison without even a split second difference, how they're doing that 
how intuitively animals know that a storm is coming and to take cover, whatever the information you think they're tapping into, call it universal consciousness, that's what your bacteria are tapping into. So they're tapping into that. They tapped into it. Your mom's and your dad's genes passed down and they said, hey, this is the kind of food we're being exposed to. This is how you want to build to be able to digest that properly for the body you're going to be living in. And this is research proven, by the way. They, they found, like, for example, when they ran uh, mice through, you know, their little mazes, and then the next mice generation was born from that same mice generation, and th those mice, they learned how to find the cheese, right? They passed that information on to the next mice. The next generation deals with that maze better than the first generation did. This is, this is a form of evolution, Okay. And so there's this other thing. It's called epigenetics. This is the part where your, your genes turn on and off and in response to these exposures and your genes are changing right now because you're getting exposed to genetically modified food and you don't even know about it. And I'm going on a little tangent here because I just found out something that disturbs me to my core. And that is how they're manipulating farmers to make GMO food. They're manipulating them through the tools that they have, insurance. So they will insure your crop 100% for flood insurance or disaster insurance if you make their GMOs corn, but they won't insure you if you make regular corn. Your insurance might cost three, four times as much for the same insurance. So what does the farmer do? He's like, no brainer to me. I'm going to go ahead and make that GMO corn. And so GMO is taken over. And your bugs aren't built for GMO. So that's part of what's happening. So now that your bug gets this repeated exposure to GMO foods, now that your, your microbiome sees food preservative after food preservative coming at you, they start turning genes on and off. And these changes are called phenotypic changes of the bacteria. And so they end up not digesting the same foods they used to be able to digest. So you're wondering, why is it I don't tolerate dairy anymore? It's because certain strains of your lactobacillus population have had to modify in the face of pasteurized dairy. Because certain strains of this population have had to modify in the face of this new type of gluten that makes our bread more dense, especially in America. I don't know if you've heard, but if you, you travel to other countries, at least this used to be true. I hope it's going to be still true in the future. You could eat bread without having the same level of reactivity because their gluten's different than our gluten. So there are changes happening and your cells are going, what? What is this? This isn't bread. What is this? This isn't dairy anymore. What am I going to do with this? So it goes to its most intelligent source, universal consciousness. It taps in and it says, what do I do here? This is hurting me. I'm not doing well with this. And your universal consciousness dives into your junk DNA. Remember when they would call that stuff junk DNA? I don't even know if they still call it that anymore. I think by now, hopefully we realize it's a treasure trove of options is what you have in your junk DNA. And it pulls up the junk DNA that fits the situation best. And it says, okay, particular strain of bacteria, turn that gene on, turn that gene off. You're not going to be able to handle dairy anymore, but at least you're going to survive. And survival is important here. 
and it is what it is. We're doing the best to adapt to this new environment. And so that happens throughout your digestive tract. That happens throughout your body. Remember, uh, when we think microbiome, I want you thinking about your entire system since there's 65 trillion of those suckers doing good for you. And the net result of that are food allergies, intolerances, and unfortunately, reactions, changes that are, you know, not healthy to the body. So one of the things is you'll see die-off. Die-off of bugs causes mucus. So mucus formation creates an opportunistic environment for candida. Candida begins to expand its presence in your system. And your candida loves you. (laughs) Your candida says, well, thank you for that Snickers bar. It could not have been more perfect. I feel so satiated. Bless you, bless you, right? And that's all fine and well. And, And if candida wasn't an issue, then what you'd find out is, you know, you wouldn't really have any other symptoms. I know that's not true. You might have some bloating, you might have some gas, you know, might have some changes that occur from that. But it's not necessarily that candida thriving. Basically, I want to say is when candida overgrows, the overgrowth itself isn't the problem. It's what the candida releases as it's thriving in your system that is causing acne, eczema, psoriasis, sebaceous hyperplasia, and a whole host of skin conditions uh, because there's a lot of different strains of candida, 56 that I'm aware of. And so, yes, it, it becomes quite the struggle when your system is exposed to the level of poison that it is. And if it's constantly being hit with antibiotics, trust me when I say that your bugs accommodate to antibiotics. This has been research proven. It usually takes about three months of exposure to an antibiotic before your system says, I know how to work around that. But the problem is when it works around that, it changes what it does for you. So it might be doing just great, whatever the bug, and I'm not going to name one anymore because there's not enough research for me to say for sure, oh, well, it's this strain of bifidus that is truly causing this. But when they start epigenetically changing in your system, what ends up happening is now your cholesterol changes. Now, all of a sudden, you gain more weight. Now you have high blood pressure or a whole host of potential outcomes that occur when you see phenotypic changes to your microbiome. So therein lies the challenge. We're in a world right now where our microbiome has never been more under attack and what's happening to the digestive system in our country and to the health of Americans and and people worldwide is a tragedy. And since I'm realizing that there's no way I can finish all the things I want to tell you about this, we're going to have to pause and save this for our version two of the microbiome. So this is going to become a two-part conversation. By the way, I never know when these things are going to become two-part or not because, you know, I'm a tangential speaker by nature. So we are going to stop here and pick up on part two next week. I hope you enjoyed it. Again, please like and share this information. I can think it could be very valuable to you. And teaser alert, I want to talk to you in depth about probiotics and fermented foods and all the crazy hype going on right now because I think, as it always seems to be lately, it's misdirection. It's not good information. 
And I'll explain that when we get to that next week. So again, thanks everybody for listening. It's, it's been such a pleasure. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Ask Dr. Ben. Please leave a review if you can and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts to get access to all of my upcoming episodes. My website is osmosisbeauty.com and you can find me on Facebook at osmosisbeauty. You can also follow me on Instagram at osmosis underscore beauty. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.